Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the short thing today. It is November 11th, Veterans Day. Warren and Ryan here with you today. We got picks, obviously, for the weekend ahead in the NFL and in college football. We're winding down the college football slate, and we are just past halfway, or we are halfway in uh, the NFL slate, so still a long way to go there. You can check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio app under the podcast section. Ryan, how's it going out there? I know you've had quite the day. We have had you know, quite the day, and it is only 10.30 as we stand right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're making it. Sometimes you just got to see through it. You just got to power through um, and, uh, you know, enjoy the small things so that when things like this happen, they don't seem as bad. Yes, that is that is that. Did you see the uh, before you get into the football, another sort of football? Did you see the story on the PSG women's footballer? Yeah, straight out of the uh, what was uh, Tanya Harding playbook? Yes, pretty incredible. If you didn't hear about this, this is PSG, the uh, obviously uh, Paris Saint Germain, their women's football team. Uh, one of their players. Uh, Amita Diallo is facing questioning from police uh, over the assault of a teammate. She pretty much uh, had had a hit put out on her rival midfielder that she also uh, like plays with. Uh, Kihara Hamori last week, two men pulled her from a car, beat her legs with an iron bar. So yeah, right out of the uh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding playbook there. Pretty crazy. She's in detention. So I assume that's what they call jail over there. I don't know. She's in detention. She's been questioned for a second day. Um, but yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. A third player has been called to make a statement by police. Um, but the reason for that is uh, unknown right now in the Yahoo article I'm reading. But this is pretty... Uh, Pretty, pretty crazy. And Diallo played in the match on the match when she was because uh, the other girl was hurt. So she got in because the girl that she put the hit on uh, was attacked and uh, pretty amazing because they play on the national team together. Uh, they've been said they they go on holiday, as they call it. They go on vacation together. So this is quite the move. Yeah, indeed. Quite the move, indeed. Uh, you know, the, the reports are that maybe she did it so that she didn't have to compete for playing time anymore. Yes. And that, uh, you know, she could just have the starting gig. And uh, the fact that they're like kind of like friends, too. I didn't know that part. Uh, that's what makes this whole story even more kind of intense and crazy and kind of psychopathic. But it's like the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, beat them. Yeah, it does. It does. And yeah, I'm just amazed. I'm so I'm shocked that they uh I mean just going on vacation with each other. Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? I don't know. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um but yeah, so we'll have to continue to follow uh follow the story. Now I wonder if this bleeds into the uh men's team at all. I wonder if uh Neymar takes a pipe to Mbappe or Messi. Messi's already hurt. But uh, I wonder if that if it bleeds over to the men's Nash or to the men's team at PSG. And you know what? You use a perfect example because if any of those three guys were to do it, it would definitely be Neymar to hire somebody to uh, take those guys out. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that they're all playing the same. They're all playing in the same. Uh, they're all playing on the field at the same time. They're not 
on the bench. Um, or they would just pout and they would de- demand a transfer and they'd be out of there. They, I don't think they'd resort. I, I'll tell you what, though. You know what? Messi and those Argentinians. Uh, I don't think you can. Uh, there's a big rivalry there between them and the Brazilians. So, uh, I mean, it could go both ways. Yeah. Um, it could go both ways. All right. We'll get to the football. This week we'll start in the uh, we'll start in college. Uh, got some good games this weekend. Oklahoma Baylor took a little luster out of this one though, with um, Baylor losing last week to TCU. We've got Ohio State Purdue this week, and can uh, Purdue slay another giant? A and M and Ole Miss. Are you? There are a lot of people talking out there that A uh, and M. If Alabama slips up. And A&M wins out. They don't slip up. You know, A&M's got a decent shot, I think, to make the SEC championship game. Correct. Which, yeah, no, which, I was – we were going over those uh, those scenarios here at uh, with uh, Jamie, obviously, because she was wondering why they weren't in the top ten in the initial rankings because they beat Alabama. And I said, well, you also lost twice, so that automatically kind of bumps you back a few. But then we were kind of going through it because, like you said, if, if Alabama loses again um, – uh, I would assume the head-to-head tiebreaker obviously goes to a and I don't know if that's the first tiebreaker they go to. Um, but, yeah, and then if they went out, like you said, they, they're they right there in it, you know, at least in consideration to go play Georgia. Now, playing Georgia, I don't think they have a, a great shot at it, but, uh, you know, you never know. Yeah, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't make the playoff if they won the SEC, though. You don't think so? Not with two losses. A two-loss SEC champion not making the playoffs, and then you'd get the one-loss Georgia that is making the playoffs. That would be—I don't know. I think you got. I think you'd have to put them both in. I don't. Well, you would put a two-loss SEC champion over a one-loss Big Ten, an undefeated Big Twelve, an undefeated Oregon, and say Cincinnati's undefeated, or a, a one-loss Oregon and an undefeated Cincinnati. Yeah, get Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not in consideration. They have. To, there's got to be a lot of losses to happen for Cincinnati to get in, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. But I just don't, I, I, I've always said it and the committee has shown once you lose two, two games, you're done. Correct. Now there could also be a bunch of two lost teams like Michigan and Michigan state. I think they're done. I don't think they're running the table. Michigan has a good chance to lose this week to Penn state, Michigan state still has Ohio state and Penn state left on the docket. Um, I mean, Ohio State could lose again. They play Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue this week. I think it's going to be a tough game. I mean, there there could be a lot of two-loss teams in the mix. But I just think if everybody kind of wins out or or AM wins the SEC with two losses, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna make it. They're not gonna make the playoff. Because they as they said, they've lost twice. And and they would take Oregon, Ohio State. And I think they would finally have to take Cincinnati over a two-loss team. I mean, there but, has what, to be... but, but, but what'd you say last week that they the the selection committee looks at wins; they don't look at losses. So you're telling me beating Alabama and then beating Georgia in the SEC championship those aren't the two best wins in the nation? They absolutely no, they, would be. But they have to start. They have to. They, but you, they say you, they don't look at losses. I'm, t- I'm just they, using your I, words. They don't look at losses. I'm saying they don't look at losses, but they need to look at losses. But but then it comes down to okay you lost two games what do you what does that show Cincinnati it's not Cincinnati's fault they're not in the SEC they've they've won undefeated and they haven't lost a game in two years 
But I mean, like there still but, comes to a point for agreed, playing the agreed. teams on your schedule. Right. And then when you play those teams on your schedule and they happen to be the number one and number two teams in the nation and you beat them, that speaks volumes versus Cincinnati, who their best win so far is against Notre Dame. But that's just because of the conference they're in. Again, this is the whole semantics thing of college football. Right. And until, and, and until they're in the Big 12, Cincinnati, I don't think, is going to be considered for a uh, for a playoff spot. They 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 should probably make the playoff committee for the power five and then make a separate one for the group of five that would make solve a lot more problems. And then, Hey, even if we, if we want to play one more game and take the winner of the power five and the winner of the, uh, group no one of five, wants to see that. Cause it'd be a blowout. Exactly. So then why put Cincinnati in? Because they're ranked number five and they're undefeated. Like they're actually a good team this year. So if Cincinnati went undefeated, won their group of five playoff, you wouldn't want them to see, you wouldn't want them to uh, play Georgia. You won't want to see that. Not for the national championship. I'd like to see them play Georgia this year in the playoff in the semifinal. That makes zero sense. How does that not make any sense? Well, no, I'm, what I'm saying, it wouldn't be for the national championship. You'd say, hey, look, this power five, this is going to be the national champion. And then the group of five, you can make like a, a separate, I don't know, the selection committee champion or something like that. And then if you, like I said, if you want to add one more game to kind of unify the titles for, you know, for lack of a better term, then they could play each other. But if you wouldn't want to see Georgia and Cincinnati play in the, in the national championship game, then that's your answer right there. Cincinnati should not be in the playoff, plain and simple. No, I'm not saying that because then if Georgia wins a semifinal game, I'd like to see them play Georgia in the, in the championship game. Well, but you're saying, look, Georgia's round and round. No, I'm not going round and round. How am you, I going? You just making, said you you just said you wouldn't want to see Georgia play Cincinnati for the national Not if they just beat a bunch of group, group of five schools. Well, that's what they've done thus far. No, they didn't. They beat Notre Dame and they beat Indiana. Right, and then so if they if they played their exact same schedule this year, and then they won this figment of my imagination playoff game, or excuse me, playoff series, and then to play Georgia, you just said you wouldn't want to see that. Not to declare who the national champion is. Because that's that that's just that's just like that's saying, hey, beat the it's like saying the NIT winner faces the winner of the NCAA tournament to unify the titles, as you just said, and that's it. No, because group of five teams make it to the group of five teams make it to the NCAA tournament. But you're it's saying not a, it's not an all make five. a random tournament. Okay, the FCS then division two plays the division one winner, and it's a that's a unification of the titles. Again, different because it's not all Division One. That's just a unification of the thing. You're just starting to unit. That that doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, in this case, we're unifying the winner of the semifinals. I put him in the semifinal. They, I think they should be in the semifinal anyways if they go undefeated. No, disagree. Oh, yeah, obviously, but I, that that's my opinion. I think they should be in there. No, I think no. if 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 Oregon wins out, Ohio State wins out, and we talk about this. Look, if Oregon wins out, Ohio State wins out, and Oklahoma wins out and wins Big 12, I think, and uh, Bama loses one more time, I think those are your four teams. Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Oklahoma, in no particular order, except for Georgia being number one. Yeah, I would not disagree with you on that. But if Bama wins out, if, look, I mean, obviously, if everyone wins out, would you agree that the four are going to stay the same, or do you think they set up Oregon to kind of play themselves out? Because I mean, I don't even know who's left on Oregon's schedule. Let's, I don't, let's, They're playing let's, everybody to play themselves out of it. Right. So, see, look, Oregon has Washington State, excuse me, Utah and Oregon State. 
three games that are extremely winnable and they probably should win. So should they win out, they're going to be in. Ohio State, should they win out, they're going to be in. So if as we sit here, we still got four weeks left to go of the season, three, four weeks to go left of the season. This is our playoff right here, you know, as, as long as everyone wins out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sets up for it. You got three regular season weeks and then the uh, the conference championship games. So, I mean, because if you remember, you go back a few years when, well, who was it, TCU and Baylor, they got they won, but they still got bumped out. I don't think that happens this year. You have to have, like you said, some two-loss teams. Maybe one of these other teams slips up. Uh, Georgia has some room to, for, you know, for error here. Obviously, if they lose in the SEC championship game, they're still going to be in it. Um, but as far as the next group of teams, the Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State, I don't think they got a shot. OU's their only shot is to win out and win the national or win the uh, Big 12 championship. I don't know how you can say I can't say Michigan and Michigan State don't have a chance. If they run, if Michigan State wins the runs the table, they're if going. One of those, yeah, if one of those win the win the Big Ten, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm I'm saying assuming that uh, it's going to be Ohio State, although you know Ohio State, not to get too far ahead, but they got a tough matchup against Purdue this week. They do. I mean, they play Purdue, they play Michigan State, and they play Michigan. I mean, any team if they like. The only team that can suffer a loss and still make the playoff is probably Georgia. I would have said differently if Oklahoma was a little ranked higher than eighth, but I don't think they can. I don't think they can do that. But really, other than that, no other team can survive a loss and still make the playoff. Um, but what if right. OU loses to Oklahoma State but still wins the Big Twelve? And maybe I don't know. That's their eighth. What are they going to fall down to if they lose? And then and then they win the conference championship game, and they're going to what fall down to like twelve. And then they're going to jump eight spots. Yeah, true. The whole problem is, is the BCS was never a bad. The BCS and the computers wasn't a bad system. It was a bad system for two teams. Correct. If you would, they should have just kept the computer ranking instead of doing it four teams. And then we wouldn't have anything, any, there'd still be arguing, but there wouldn't be any problems. The only, the only thing was it was, it was arguing about two and three. And there a couple years there, there, there needed to be a 14 playoff. We've also seen in the 14 playoff, we really don't need a 14 playoff because there's this year, there's clearly one team that's better than everybody else. Bam. Last year, there were about two teams that were maybe one team that was better than everybody else. The same thing the year before. Like there was, there was, there really hasn't been a need for the 14 playoff, really. And we, you could just could have got it done with two teams and the whole thing. And then we're going to do this committee and blah, blah, blah. It's just a joke. They, they, they're just hypocrites every week. And they're, they're hypocrites this week on what they were last week about head to head matters. I mean, it's, I, it's just, you, you just need to go back to the BCS systems and just let the computer show the top four. No, I, I completely agree. I totally agree with that. If we kept those same computer rankings, because here's the issue is the computer can't have human bias I mean, and say what you will. And that's probably why Alabama's in, in the top two, you know, I totally. won't disagree with you there is because of the human bias. If this is a computer ranking and go by the BCS, are they top two? Are they top five? Probably I'd say maybe they're probably uh, in the top five, but they're definitely not second. Yeah, no doubt. So that I can make an agree. I can agree with you on. Um, but again, my human bias is I still think Alabama's a good team. They had a bad game this past week. Uh, the offensive line has been shaky. So that's kind of been, uh, you know, uh, the beginning of a lot of their issues when they can't, when they're not able to run the ball like they, like they would like to. 
Um, so I, I completely agree. If we went back to BCS, but just put in four teams, uh, I think it would be a, a lot better and smoother system because then you couldn't accuse anybody of having any bias, whether the, whether they are biased or not. I mean, it could be a lot of times, you know, you, you, you think you see something or you are sure of yourself that you see something and it might be the opposite, whatever it may be. But when it's computers, it's literally just the numbers. Yeah, no, I agree. But no, A&M has a shot to make the SEC. I heard someone say that they, they got, uh, 35 to one right now to SEC for AM to win the SEC. I mean, that's not a bad shot in the dark there. What was it? 13 to one? Is that what I said? 35 to one. Oh, 35 to one. Yeah. Hell yeah. But they do have the only their last two SEC games are on the road. They got Ole Miss this week. And then next week they play Prairie View. Shout out to the SEC. And then the week after they go on the road at LSU. And you got to think LSU at home in the last game for Coach Joe, they're going to fight. I mean, they fought hard this past weekend. And the, LSU defensive line and defense is pretty good. They were able to shut down Alabama. So, I mean, they got tough tests. This week against Ole Miss, though, Corral is, like, hurt. He's limping around, and he's hurt. Um, so, I don't know. We'll have to see. But Jimbo's turned the offense around because before it was earlier in the season, it was uh, Calzada can't even throw, and now he looks like a capable, uh, capable quarterback. Yeah, the Ohio State game's a big one. Obviously, they play Purdue. Purdue's taking out number two and number three, so they're going to take down number four. Uh, Devin Bell from uh, Purdue, great receiver. A lot of great receivers in this one um, with Ohio State, too, with Garrett. I think Garrett Wilson's supposed to play, but you got Olave, uh, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and tons of receivers. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I think Ohio State won 20 points a lot, and I was surprised it was that high. It was a lot of a lot of points, a lot of points. I do think that Purdue, they see 20 after they just knocked off Michigan State. They're going to see, uh, I think they're going to be a pretty big public. Uh, people are going to love them, but I mean, that's a lot of points. Yeah, no, it's a ton. I saw this. I thought the same thing when I saw that. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I was, I went to go, obviously, as I'm going down the Rolodex of, of games to pick, when I saw that 20 and a half points, uh, I thought that was quite a bit, especially because they, like you said, they they put it on two top teams this this season thus far. And uh, the offense is rolling right now. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. They both, uh, I'm, I'm, into, I mean, Purdue's had their, they've had their good games against uh, Ohio State in the past. Everyone remembers that Saturday night um, a couple of years ago. See, the, the, the thing about this game, though, not to cut you off, the thing about oh, this yeah. game, though, is, you know, you look at <clears throat> the two big wins for Purdue, Iowa and Michigan State, now playing Ohio State. I mean, of those three teams, who has the best athletes? Oh, Ohio State for sure. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. And so when it comes down to it, the athletes are going to out-athlete Purdue. You know, that's what I always kind of boil it down to. Like, if, if uh, you know, these teams seem evenly matched or, or it seems like one team might have, you know, a little bit of advantage, whatever, it's like, okay, well, let's break it down to just, you know, as simple as who, you know, if we're, if we're playing uh, NCAA 2007 or whatever, who's got the highest overall team? Okay, this team does? All right, then that's the team I'm going to take and the team that, uh, you know, probably has the, uh, the, the leg up. And, and so although Purdue's shown, you know, it's had really good showings against two top three teams, so far this season, when it comes down to just pure athletics and pure skill players, Ohio State's by far and away much, much better than than Iowa or Michigan State. So I think that's what's probably led to or at least, you know, was counted into this this uh, number of 20 and a half. 
because although it's been a nice story thus far against Purdue, I just really don't think that it keeps going uh, this week. Well, yeah, too. In Iowa, their offense is terrible. Bad. Like, they just can't score. So can they keep up with Ohio State? The the problem with Ohio State the past two weeks when they've played more competent teams has been the red zone. They've had nine trips to the red zone, only two touchdowns in the last – so two and nine over the last two games. That's definitely an issue. They're going to have to clean that up. And there is something like, you know, you know, I was very critical of CJ Stroud after the, uh, after the Oregon game. And even a little bit after that, you did pick it up in the middle of the season when they're playing bad defenses. But like when he, something is off when he's playing better teams or he goes into tougher games, like the Penn state game, he was shake really shaky early on. Um, they still won, but he was he was very shaky. A lot of high passes. Last week I watched, didn't get to see, but watched the highlights. A pretty good condensed game on it. He looked a little shaky against Nebraska. Like something when he plays a better defense or or more, I would say a highly uh, prolific game. I know Nebraska, you know, roll your eyes, but I mean on the road, that's a that's a tough tough place to play just seems like something is a little bit off on him that they need. He needs to play a little bit better against a better, a better team because he's killed the bad teams. But when he's played those better teams, he's got to play a little bit cleaner, a little crisper for uh, my liking. I'm still a little, a little hesitant on him. I mean, he's throwing He's putting up a ton of yards, but just success against better teams. I've been a little worried about. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I agree with you saying you want to see him show up when it's when you need to show up and play good against the good teams. But if it was, uh, you know, as long as you're beating the teams you're supposed to, hey, you know, keep doing it. Um, you know, sometimes you don't have to put up the prolific numbers, but I get I totally get what you're saying, especially when you're a guy like CJ Stroud, who they expect big things from. And obviously the big news with Q, uh, Quinn Ewers coming early, you know, you're going to have that kind of on your heels, even though there's probably no shot he was going to be playing this season anyway. Uh, you know, just how college football fans go. They always want the next big name in there as soon as anybody slips up even a little bit. Well, though, everybody loves a backup quarterback, no matter NFL or college. Correct. Yeah, because the unknown. So, yes, the unknown. But be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Shout out Taylor Heineke. I was just going to say that. <laughs> um, but to that and then the other one, Oklahoma Baylor, that, again, lost some luster when they uh, lost last week to TCU. But uh, still a big, I mean, their 13th, still a big game for Oklahoma. Um, will Caleb Williams, how will he play? They're coming off a bye week. I think Oklahoma should win, but I think it's going to be a, a tough one, too. Baylor did lose one of their coaches this week. He went to be the Texas Tech coach, and I think he left immediately. So he's going to be out there. All right, how'd your picks do? How's Maction? Uh, Two and one in the Mac for me. So now I'm 57, 45, and two, and I got an eight-game card. Last week, let me tell you what, Ryan. I should have stuck to my guns and took Arizona. As I I said, I thought you had it on there. I looked. That was looking spicy to me. I should have credit. Or not credit to me, but I'm disappointed I didn't follow through with taking them. So I don't know if you know this, but Cal was missing 24 scholarship athletes for that. Yes. Game. Did you know that? I did know that. Afterwards, so, I did know that. Yeah. That's so uh, that's, that's, why they won. that's why they won 100 um, percent. So Maxion, Maxion wasn't bad. I went 0-2 on Tuesday, went 3-0 yesterday. 
So uh, the overall record right now is uh, 66 and 38 on the season. And I got a light card this week, only six games for me uh, for the weekend. Okay. I've got a game tonight. As I, do got I. The, I got the over. Oof. And uh, you have that as well? No, I actually okay. I don't because UNC's offense stinks. Yeah, but Pitt's defense isn't very good. Um, the over in that has hit in a bunch of – they've been an over team, Pitt has this year. Let me pull up the uh, – well, Yeah, they got the number one scoring offense in the nation. Yeah, they're 7-2. and two. The totals are – oh, they've gone uh, over – Seven and two UNC over is uh six and three. So I like the total. It is dropping. It was 74th earlier this week and now it is down to 72. So I will take the over at 72 tonight. I also have a game tomorrow night. Sorry. I should, you go ahead first. Sorry. I don't know why I just jumped ahead. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, no, 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 no. You're winning. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm actually going to take Pitt minus six and a half tonight against UNC. I'm going to take Michigan Penn State over 48 and a half. Michigan's been putting up some big points the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think Penn State's going to, you know, try to keep up with them, obviously, uh, as you try to win this ballgame. I'm going to take Coastal Carolina minus 10 against Georgia State. I'm going to take the UTEP Miners. UTEP stands for you taking points minus one and a half at UNT. UNT stinks. Uh, so UTEP is going to be the home, excuse me, the road favorite. Uh, I'm going to take the AM Ole Miss over 55 and a half. I know I said Crowell's a little banged up. Uh, that running game for Texas A&M is just so good with that two-headed monster they got there in uh, um, a Kane and uh, why am I forgetting the starter's name? Um, holy shit, Jamie! What's the starting running back's name? Spiller. Spiller, yes, Spiller. Thank you. God, Lee, I don't know why I was. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of uh, Cyrus Gray. That's the only name that was coming to my head, but he's from like 10 years ago. So I don't know why that name was coming from my coming to my head. Uh, Tam, so yeah, Texas A&M and Ole Miss over 55 and a half. And I'm going to take Notre Dame minus five against Virginia. I don't think Vegas thinks Notre Dame is very good because they play a lot of bad teams. And these numbers are extremely, extremely small. Um, I don't know what Notre Dame's record is against the spread, but it's got to be pretty good because every anytime I've played them, they've they've covered. Um, and uh, again, another small number I feel like here on the road against Virginia. Hopefully, they can uh, they can pull it out. What time's the Notre Dame game at? That one is going to be. I think it's uh, six thirty. Oh Saturday. yeah, it's the Virginia Saturday. Hold on, I'll yeah. pull up their record against the spread. They are against the spread this year. They are six and three. Yeah, so ain't that not bad. Yeah, not bad. Also going with Coastal, even with uh, Grayson McCall out. Yeah, and, and that's why I knew that number was a little bit smaller. But uh, Georgia State, I did hesitate a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to keep rolling with Coastal and see if uh, they can write the ship for me after they let me down against App State. All right. As I said, I have the over tonight UNC Pitts at 72. Uh, this one is smelly, but I'm going to take it. It's tomorrow night. I'm taking USF. And the points plus 23 and a half. Now, I, I Cincinnati is due for an outbreak. They have not covered the last three weeks. Both of those games have been all three of those have been spreads of at least 22 points. Uh, two of them were 28 and a half. Um, South Florida has played much better as of late at home this year against the number. They're four and one. So they're at home. They're getting 23 and a half. I'm going to take that. As I said, I got the over in Purdue, Ohio State, 61 and a half. I'm going to take Texas Tech in the points this week against Iowa State. Coach got fired. The new coach got hired. Everybody wants to 
make a name for themselves. So we'll take the 10 and a half against Iowa State. This is a bounce back spot. I'm going to take Minnesota plus the five and a half against Iowa. They lost to Bowling Green earlier in this year, earlier in the year, obviously, and came back and rattled off uh, five in a row. Then they have a horrific loss at home last week to Illinois. Uh, I think they row the boat strongly down to uh, Kinnick Stadium and beat Iowa. Iowa also can't score. I had this play earlier in the year. I'm going to do it again this week, but this one really took a lot of guts, a principal play. It is the uh, Hawaii time zone play. They're playing at UNLV. So that's a 3 p.m. kickoff. UNLV is uh, 1-8 on the season. They won last week, which was a real killer. So uh, the time change with daylight savings, it's only a four-hour time difference. So when this game starts at uh, 2 p.m. local, there there are 3 p.m. our time. It'll only be at an 11 a.m. start. Still, I'm going to take the uh, – I still think that's too early. I'm going to take UNLV. Missouri, South Carolina, over 54-and-a-half. And then I am taking Arizona State, minus six at Washington. Washington's head coach got suspended. So the offensive coordinator's filling in. In Arizona, I saw this. This or Arizona State. This is a pretty remarkable stat as well in this game. The last, uh, let me pull this up here. The last 13 times dating back since 2002, Arizona State is 13 and 0 against the spread. So obviously Washington's going to cover this year once I jump on this trend. But uh, pretty remarkable number. So I will take. Uh, Arizona State minus six. That is the card. I think that's eight games right there. I like it. Not bad at all. Um, I meant to. So, yeah, yeah. you finished up with Arizona State. Uh, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about Arizona. We got three more games. We got to get one out of three, and we're cashing, baby. Was it over one and a half? Over one and a half. I thought it was. Okay. I thought it was two. Uh Uh-uh. No, we just needed to win two. Oh, win two. Well, the schedule's not looking pretty good, though. It is they do not. have Washington, right? Correct. Yeah, they have Washington. Uh, and I think they have – let me see. I'm pulling up. I just looked at it the other day. Um, so we finish up after – so it's a little – no, it's Washington State we have. Washington, we should have okay. beat. We were winning 13-0. We – I'm not on the team. They were winning 13-0 at the half and uh, scored three points in the second half to lose 21-16. But, yeah, Utah this week, obviously probably not going to happen. Washington State next week on a Friday night and then finish up with Arizona State, which anything can happen when it comes down to a game against Arizona State. Where's the Washington State game at home? No, it's on the road. On Friday night on the road? Yeah. Probably not. The one they needed to win was Colorado. The one they needed to win was NAU. Well, yeah, also, okay, also that. But after that one, Colorado was bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, well, I mean, Utah's in a in a look ahead spot this week. They play Oregon next week at home, so you never know there. You you never you never know. All right, to the NFL. What boy, the NFL? Let me tell you what the drama in the offseason this in the uh, in during the week has been pretty pretty remarkable. We got the OBJ saga going on. We got the Aaron Rodgers stuff going on as he's now in a full backpedal, playing like Kevin King. Uh, just, I mean, the off the you got Dalvin Cook situation going on there. And if you want to go even further, how Adam Schefter reported that. I mean, the drama in the NFL this season during during the week has been, I mean, it's been a lot of stuff going on. Plenty of stuff to keep you going uh, yes. in between uh, 
in between games. Obviously, you know, on the much sadder note and unfortunate news, the Henry Rugg stuff, uh, you know, that goes back to that too. And it's just, it seems like every week um, <clears throat> we have a, a new and different story to the point that I know John Gruden's out of the league, but that that whole investigation about the leaked the leaked emails and things like that, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. Uh, because every every couple of days we got a new story of you know this player's involved in this or this player's involved in that, and it's just been a nonstop cycle of of off the field issues or off the field stories. I guess would probably be the better uh, word to use there. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been uh, real spicy, as you like to say. I mean, it has been spicy, has it not? <laughs> no, very much so. I saw the uh, um, boy. I hate. I hate the my man Schefter. He's 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 in a deep right now. Yeah, think, like uh, like yes, this, like yes. okay, the whole the whole Mister Editor thing, blah blah blah, whatever. I was making fun of him. This is ten times worse than what anything close to the Mister Editor was. I mean, this is just blatantly not they they journalism classes would show this and say you don't do this this is not what you do you do the opposite of this because he this this is this is this that was horrific what he did that's bad journalism what he did on tuesday night when he put out the statement from the from the agent from dalvin cook's agent about what happened knowing the agent knowing the uh minnesota star tribune article was going to come out later that night with saying a completely opposite thing. And then Adam doubles, gets another thing from the agent and keeps going on that. And he goes, Oh, and I didn't really even check into it. I just put it out there. I mean, how, how just blatant disregard for anything can you be? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that, but that's, see, this is, uh, what do they say when you're, uh, roosters come home to roost or whatever it's uh the hens come home to roost what's that whatever that saying is it's it's Schefter all these years being the number one guy at ESPN he's in the back pocket of all these agents and all these front office execs and then now you know he's uh slipping up a little bit and like I said the uh, all the stuff that he's he gets all the all the big breaks you know all the all the leads whatever of these stories because these guys know whether it's the agent, the player, the execs, he'll spin it or report it in a light that makes them look good because he's getting the scoop. He's getting the story. And so they work hand in hand, one hand washes the other. And so now when he's fed these reports or like the statement that was put out on Tuesday about Dalvin cook and that whole situation, uh, when the opposite comes to light or, 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 you know, whatever it may be, He's he's left holding, you know, holding the bag because it's like, hey, you're the one that reported it. You're the one that had the scoop. And now when it's wrong or if it's misinformation or it's not confirmed information, you're you know, you were just trusting your quote unquote sources when we know exactly who it was uh, to kind of get out ahead of the story. And so now he's just, you know, he's like I said, he's he's uh, reaping what he sows right now because of all these years of of blindly backing the execs and the agents and the players so, so that he's getting the scoop and he's the one that's, that's the number one guy on ESPN. Well, now sometimes it's coming back to bite him in the ass. Well, and he, and then he sets up, sends up another article saying dueling accusations. There's not, I mean, sure there's dueling accusations, but I mean, the one story had a bunch of pictures and of her and had DMS from Dalvin cook that make it look like he actually did the, he did this and not what it, what Dalvin Cook is saying. There's a lot of things I I don't like about what he did. So his girlfriend or ex girlfriend 
was in the military and then he puts in his tweet how she was a military sergeant like a u.s military sergeant like that has nothing to do with if she assaulted him so it's making it like wow dalvin cook david's a wow she's in the military of course she's got anger or some issue like it just doesn't that doesn't sit right like you're literally just copying pasting what the agent zach hiller said and putting that into a tweet her being a military sergeant doesn't mean anything if Dalvin Cook assaulted her or she has, or, or if Dalvin Cook was assaulted, that doesn't mean anything. You're just trying to play this public image. And I mean, he's just carrying the water because he's got 9 million followers and the girl's got, she can't, she doesn't have the, the arm, the, the, the 9 million follower platform that Dalvin Cook has or his agent can get out there to get her side of the story out there. It's just, it's just irresponsible journalism, very irresponsible journalism. It's, it's, it's tough. And I, like, I, I watched, I, I like real sports on HBO and they did a, they did a piece on, um, Schefter around 9-11 because his first wife died in 9-11. And he's like, take this was a real tough time for him. The 20 year anniversary, like he's a, a good man, but man, he's just, this is just, this is just bad, bad journalism. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Tough look for uh, for Schefter. And like you said, on the heels of the whole Mr. Editor thing, well, although it might not seem like that big of a deal, it's still a tough look for for him. Yeah, the, I think they need a division at ESPN. I know they're really not going to do this, but they need a division of just like you break contract negotiate, like you break player acquisitions. Schefter needs to do player acquisitions trades free agency all that stuff and you know what injuries you could do that when it goes down to the nitty-gritty of stuff off the field like let someone else that let someone else do that that's not going to be in the pocket for the agents now they might be in the pocket but then they know they're not going to have to worry about getting a dalvin dalvin cook contract extension or when he's carrying the water for him during the holdout if he's holding out i'm going to be able to do this on a on an unbiased level like they almost need to do something like that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. One one person's like a transactional uh, reporter, and the other one's you know reports the news. You know that has nothing to do with on the field stuff. You know, so I if mean, it was like this Dalvin Cook thing. You know that that happened this alleged um, incident of of domestic abuse, one way or the other. You'd have your news section cover that. Yeah, well, I mean, you have you have your guys like Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta. They're doing like NFL. Um, they're doing NFL ownership and like investigative journalism on that stuff. I mean, you could get guys to settle on that. All right, but enough about that. The games this weekend, some good ones out there. I'll say Green Bay, Seattle. Russell Wilson's supposed to be back. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is supposed to be back. So that should be exciting. I hate to say it, but Browns Patriots is a big game this week. I don't very much both, so. Both teams are without uh, or uh, Damian Harris and Stevenson on the Patriots. They're in concussion protocol. Didn't practice yesterday. Chubb and Felton are in uh, COVID protocol, but they're vaccinated. So if they get two negative tests, like if they got one today and tomorrow, they can play on Sunday. Friday, Saturday, they can play on Sunday. So I would say it's not probably likely either of them plays, but there is hope since they're vaccinated that they can play. Um, Kansas City, Oakland, that's a good one. I even think the Monday night one is pretty solid there. The Rams at the 49ers, but the 49ers is bad. I don't know. There's, a, there's some good games out there this week. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially coming off the heels of um, last week where we saw a ton of upsets and uh, shocking games. We followed this week with a lot of closely contended games and, uh, you know, I know that's, I know it's non-conference, but Titan saints could be good. Uh, chargers Vikings could be a very good game. You never know what to get out of those two teams. Uh, so yeah, no, completely agree. It's going to be a good slate of games. Um, you know, who I'm sure if you would have taken a, a bet at the beginning of the year and, uh, asked people, you know, Hey, do you think week that week nine matchup or week 10 matchup, whatever we're in, uh, between the chiefs Raiders would, you know, be that big of a, of a matchup. I'm sure most people would say maybe not, but uh, here we are with the chiefs kind of stinking it up and the Raiders who knows where they're at. They're kind of up and down right now with all the stuff they're going through, but uh, it's going to be uh it's going to be a, a hopefully another exciting week and not too many blowouts like we saw a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, also I uh, was taking a look in some uh, NFL futures since, you know, we are halfway through the season mm-hmm. There's some out. You could get some win total futures going on that I like. Um, that I saw out there. I liked. Uh, I'll t- tell me what you think on some of these. So we got uh, right now season win total. Seattle is sitting at three and five right now. Their win total on the season is over eight and a half at plus one forty. I. Uh, this is also expecting if Russell Wilson comes back, but. You do have two games against the Cardinals. You do have a game against the Packers. So you could say there's potentially three losses there, potentially. So then after that, they would have to run the table. But that's how the Rams. They do have the Rams. But you got to think they're going to that week. That last game of the season against the Cardinals might not mean anything. I don't at plus 140. I don't think it's a terrible. It's a terrible bet. I think there's something there. Yeah, because you got the so, Lions, Bears, Texans, 49ers, Washington. Those should be winnable. I know Washington on a Monday night. I think crazy things can happen there, but there. I mean, those are no, no, winnable. no. Washington on Monday night is a stone cold lock of the decade for Seattle. There are winnable games there. No, yeah, I mean, there are. I think you could probably put your money somewhere else. It's a little bit better, though. I get you're well, getting the positive juice at plus 140, but. Let me see what else you got. I'm not so I'm not totally sold on that one. Okay. Um, what else did I like? Um, I, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. I know this is bad, but the Lions under one and a half at even money might not be a bad bet. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to win one. Are I they? don't think they're going to win two. Look, they got the Steelers, Browns. I think, they could, I think they could possibly win this week. I agree. I do agree. And then maybe again against either Chicago or Atlanta. And outside of that, I don't like their chances. Yeah, I don't like their chances either. But, I mean, under one and a half at even money, I like that. Yeah. Um, This one is going to be a little off the wall. Now we're shifting into the make playoffs thing. I'll tell you what, Kansas City at no, plus 185. I know everyone thinks they're going to start to figure out. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. They've just looked bad. I mean, they haven't looked good all season. And I I don't think they're going to figure, like, we're coming to the point where it's just like, are you kind of know what teams are right now. 
to a decent point, at least on the defensive side. I don't know if they're going to figure it out and their schedule, the layup that they have. I don't really know if they have a layup left on the schedule. Maybe the two at the Bronco two when they play the Broncos. But other than that, they still have the Chargers. They have the Cowboys. They got the Raiders twice, the Steelers at the Bengals. Like they have a tough schedule. So a no at plus 185. I kind of like that. Uh, see, I I like that better than the Seattle one. Because, um, I mean, the season ended right now. They're they're out. Yep. You still got Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Denver all tied with them um, with the same record. Indianapolis, they play the Jags this week. So they could be sitting at 5-5 five and five when we, uh, uh, you know, reconvene on Monday. So I don't think that's an outrageous or outlandish take. If you asked me to begin the season, I would have guessed maybe three teams made it from the AFC West. Um, now I'm not so sure. Uh, a matter of fact, I think I might have had three teams making it from the uh, from the North, AFC North. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, plus one eighty five. I don't think that's a bad bet at all. How about this? My Seattle will be make the playoffs at plus one seventy five because then you don't have to worry about. It. They're only a game out of the seventh spot of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is it. Um, no, that was yeah, the fact get, that Atlanta would be in the playoffs right now is I jarring. I know you can get uh, Detroit to go undefeated or to go winless at plus four fifty. That doesn't seem like enough. That doesn't seem like enough to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, hey, well, see, I, I did like this when I was l- looking at him on Tuesday before the covid. But that uh, Chubb to get mo- most rushing yards was plus three hundred. But I don't like that. Uh as much right now, but uh, yeah, no, those were a couple I was taking a look at that I thought, you know what, the Chiefs to miss the playoffs in Seattle um, might not be some uh, a bad bet. And you know what, I think this is this is you want a coach of the year one, Vrabel at plus seven fifty or Kingsbury at plus four fifty. If you bet both of them, you're still going to come out on the plus, no matter who it is. I think you bet both of those, and you're good to go. I think you parlay them. Yeah, I think you do parlay them, <laughs> um, but I think those are good. Uh, those are good ones um, right there. All right. One thing before uh, the picks. I was on Monday night, the the Monday night game. Obviously, the referees were horrible, blah, 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 blah. All right. That was bad. Uh, nice little hip check. Love the Tony Corrente hip check. Um, but he might have uh, gotten two minutes for that one. He could have got two minutes for that one. I know I kept saying this, but I still cannot believe that like eight teams or six teams, whatever, passed on fields that needed a QB. Not teams that took a QB. That was um, the Jets, 49ers, but even the Falcons looking for one for the future. The Panthers, obviously, in a big quarterback need right now. The Lions needing a quarterback and the Broncos needing a quarterback. Okay, so what is that? Five. Those five teams, you have a chance to get a guy that played at Ohio State, lost two games in the playoff and a national championship game. I still can't believe that those teams passed on a quarterback. And even like the Jets passing, not taking him for Zach Wilson and the same thing with the 49ers. Just I am. I just cannot get over that after watching the second half on uh, Monday night. So, I mean, here's the thing. We can obviously play revisionist history here with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Um and even the same, I could say the same for the Broncos and the Panthers. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's done a fine job. He's not going to, you know, blow you out of the water with his stats. 
Um, and the Panthers probably thought they had something with Sam Darnold. That's obviously shown to, to not be the case. And so, look, I agree. I mean, look, seeing Justin Fields, obviously, if I thought Washington could have made a move to move to go up and get him, I would have preferred that but because he, he did look really, really good. Now, he has looked bad at times. Uh, but this Monday night, he did look really, really good, explosive, big playmaker. Um, so, you know, like I said, I can't totally disagree. But at the same time, part of it is a little bit of revisionist history. Because, uh, hey, I mean, shoot, the Jets might have gotten their quarterback of the future uh, anyway. Not with Zach Wilson, but with Mike White. So, you know, to be determined on that. Yeah, but you can't tell me revision, revisionist history. Because I said Justin Fields should have been the number two guy taken the whole time. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I'm saying you should take Justin Fields as the quarterback. Don't Zach Wilson had one good year at BYU. Trey Lance, sure, maybe down the road he turns out better, but if he's going to need a couple of years or that. But I was always saying, hey, you need to take Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. Do anything you can to get this guy. And the whole thing, like, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater's done a fine job, but you're again, he's not going to be your quarterback for the next five years. You don't think that that's going to be successful. You know, he's only um, like 27, right? Teddy B? Yeah. No, he's older than that. 29. Okay, so close. His I mean, birthday was yesterday. So he just turned 29. Yes, he's 92 born. Yeah, so yeah, see? So yeah, not that far off. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, he's still, a, you know, considerably young for a quarterback. Yes, okay, so Teddy Bridgewater just turned 29, born in 92. I was born in 92. You were born, what, 92 or 91? 92. 92. Does it always just surprise you when people are, like, the same age? as <laughs> like this guy, like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's 29. Like, Odell, his all the birthday time. was Wednesday, 29. All, all the time. Like, <laughs> it's just such a funny thing. Like, look at what Odell's doing at 29, and this is what I'm doing. Not, I mean, obviously, it's not a fair compare, like, whatever, but it's just like, God, how is this possible? No, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it, it, the older you get, <clears throat> like there, there's like like that sweet spot. When we were like 23, 24, 25, and you see these guys in the NBA, they've been in the NBA for five years, and you know they're twenty three, twenty four. These you know big time linebackers that are twenty four coming out of college, and and you know in the NFL, that's when it's really kind of jarring. But now too, like the older you get, you know, I think it'll kind of go back down the other way when we get to like thirty two, thirty three, thirty four. But right now, yeah, no, it's it is quite jarring jarring is the perfect word yeah i always get a kick out of that all right to the picks this week last week put up a three and two so i'm 28 and 17 on the season uh last week so you know i said the trend this year is bet the team that didn't cover versus a team that did cover correct last week a clean seven and oh yep um this week there's six games on the docket. I think I'm I, I should I should try and figure it out, but I'm only taking uh I have two of them on the uh on the list. What are what are they? Not you're not this, year two, all six of them. Um let me uh all six of them. I don't have it written down. Okay. Um, but uh hold on, I can go find it, I think. Uh it might just be a while. All right, go ahead with your picks and then I'll find it. So I went a clean five and zero last night, or excuse me, last week. Uh, a little a much help, needed five and zero. Much needed, so much needed that, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time all season, we are officially above five hundred. Uh, twenty two, twenty one, and two on the season. And so, uh, 
And uh, so for this week, I I don't know if you remember the uh, the referee uh, info I brought last week. Well, the Corrente was on the list. I know that. Correct. And then uh, Chicago covered, obviously. Uh, the other two were Atlanta and Minnesota. Both of those two covered. And so this week we are going back to the well. Now, a couple games were a little tough. For example, uh, Sean Hockley. He's back on the games this week. Uh, road underdogs are five and zero when he uh, uh, refs, and so I got the Eagles plus three at Denver. Uh, I'll go ahead and ride that one. Uh, I got the Chargers minus three against Minnesota. I got Baltimore minus seven and a half tonight at Miami. I'm going back to the well with Atlanta minus nine and a half, or excuse me, plus nine and a half against the Cowboys. This is because Craig Rolstad is the referee of this game and road underdogs are three and against the spread um, uh, in games that he referees. And the road teams are also six and one straight up as well as against the spread uh, when he refs. So we'll see if that trend can kind of continue. Although I know this is one game where, one team covered last week and the other team didn't. And so the Cowboys should cover if that trend continues. And then this last one was a little tough for me to grit my teeth and take, but I am taking the Jets plus 11 and a half against Buffalo. Scott Novak is refing this game and the games that he refs. Uh, road underdogs are four and one. And uh, home, excuse me. Yeah, road underdogs are four and one. And they're six and two against the money line. So. We shall see if that's if that continues to uh, to play out. All right. Um, so the games this week that are doing the trend, the trend on the season is 39, 14 and one, by the way. That's crazy. Seventy three percent. So you got Oakland. You have Dallas. Yeah, you have Philly. Nice. New Orleans. Um, I said Dallas, right? Yep. The Ravens tonight. Let's go. Um. Uh, yeah, those are that. Did I just get five? I think so. Yeah, you said Dallas, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New Orleans, New Orleans, um, and Oakland. And Oakland. Yeah, that's five. Okay, there was one more that I then the and the Saints, but I said New Orleans. Um, oh, the Panthers, the Panthers. Okay, the Panthers. Okay, so those are the six this week. I have a couple. I'm actually going against one. Uh, look. Big, we all, we love the XFL. PJ Walker, PJ Walker, Texas Ranger, Texas Ranger. I'm sorry. Uh, I like the cards minus ten. Okay. <laughs> like I'm sorry. I'm Even sorry. with Kyler, is he not playing again? That's. I mean, I think he's gonna be a game time decision. I mean, did, look, I went against him last week. I went against Colt, a man I bought a jersey of. Here's the thing about Colt McCoy being a backup quarterback. Perfect for one game. You don't want him for two games. Correct. I, I just don't think it really. I know Carolina has a good defense. I don't know. I'm going to take Arizona. They're at home. I'm taking Arizona. I do have the Cowboys minus nine and a half. I will take that. I do have Philly plus three and I have Oakland plus two and a half. And then my last game is uh, it is the Los Angeles Rams minus four. On Monday night, Ares, or San Francisco is 1-11 in their last 12 home games. And that dates back to the start of 2020. 1-11 at home. That stinks. Like, that's really, really bad. And I think that's a bounce-back spot. Yeah. So those are the five picks for the week. All right. Uh, one, how was your uh, debut in the college basketball start? 
Uh, did you have you dabbled a little bit at all or not? We have yet to make a debut. Really? Yeah, we are we are holding tight, holding steady, um, and uh, so we are trying to pick my spots, but I have not I have not dove in quite yet. Okay, I was looking on I I dove in on Tuesday night. We had a pretty solid, uh, decent day. Couple games had the Citadel. I've the Citadel's been an over team, but when they were getting ten at pit the other night, that looked like bad. Obviously, you had to you had to bet Coach K's first game or first last game. Uh, that just seemed too easy. Um, and there was uh, what was the other game? Oh, the other one for all you gamblers out there, Mississippi Valley State, baby. The fate is on again. Hand up. I watched too much of that St. John's game. I laid forty four and a half with them. I think on on Tuesday night. I think it was. What was the spread? Yeah, 42 and a half. Mississippi Valley State. Lindsey Hunter's actually the coach of them. The former NBA guy. His son plays there as well. His son's actually probably the best player on the team. Um, but uh, they are back. Last year, they're terrible. They play Cal Baptist tomorrow night. No idea what the line is going to be on that. But uh, the auto fade on Mississippi Valley State is on. And uh, it is alive. They lost 119 to 61 on uh, Tuesday night. Nice. So, so get those Mississippi Valley State alerts up when they're playing, so you could just uh, auto uh, auto fade them. All right. Do you have anything else here to wrap up? I think that is it. I think we we hit just about everything. All right. I think so too. The NBA, a little going on there. Nothing much. Nothing much still going on. Games are being played. There's really hasn't been that other than the Bed Simmons saga. Not that much off the field drama. Well, now too, apparently John Wall is just not going to play this season. What's his deal? Who is he with? The Rockets? Correct. Okay. Um, so we, what, he's just not playing? I guess. Well, he doesn't want to play? He's hurt? I just don't think he wants to play for the Rockets. Okay. Well, I mean, do you blame him? No. Go Ben Simmons, John Wall straight up. Who says no? Uh, clearly the Sixers. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, and the Warriors, you know what? Probably actually pretty good this year. Probably. Probably actually uh, pretty, pretty good. But all right. That'll do it for us. Oh, we'll yeah. Be- Kelly Oubre, 37 points last night. Big mistake by the Suns. But they went to the finals without him. Yeah, that was, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, all right. We'll be back on Monday. Good luck, everybody. And we'll talk to you then.